You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Well, half right. Hey, welcome to the show. Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter right here. Lars Anderson is on the road. I guess more appropriately, I should say he's in the air. Anyway, he was visiting family in Nebraska. He's on his way back, and he'll be back tomorrow. And don't forget, on Friday, we will both be at Innisfree, the Friday place to be right there at the top of the strip in Tuscaloosa. Make sure and drop by and have a burger and a beer with us. All right, uh, since Lars is traveling, I thought I might uh, get my partner on the weekends, Carrie Clark, to sit in since he is now a part of the Town Square Media TVC and Tide 100.9 family. Carrie, how are you? What did you dress up last night as? Uh, well, we had bought these uh, pumpkin heads for the Town Square Media group photo yesterday that was sent out nationwide. So I helped my wife answer the door last night, dressed in black, head to toe, with a scary-looking pumpkin head pulled over my uh, my head uh, like a jack-o'-lantern head. And uh, the kids, most of them got a kick out of it. One or two of them were scared, but uh, a good time was had by all. We had about two hours of steady trick-or-treating there. I'm glad that you participated. You know, some people get to our age, they don't do it anymore. I had thought about so. going to a movie because it's a uh, half-off night and just loose in the movies, but I was like, nah, I can't do that. I didn't kids. know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. All right, let's start there. What, what would you have gone to see, if I may ask? Probably that... Whatever it is, the flower moon thing. Yeah. yeah. With uh, Brando with, uh, and all them. I, 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 I want to see it. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of cursing. I know it's got a lot of that, but I, eventually I'll probably bite the bullet and go to it. I did that with the Elvis movie, so it is what it is. All right. As long as we said this, we're going to, I'm going to throw this out there. I watched The Joker the other night, and man, that is a deranged movie. I haven't seen it, but I heard it was violent. Uh, it's violent. It's uh, mind-boggling. It's awakening. It's a lot of things. Uh, but one thing is absolutely for certain, Joaquin Phoenix can absolutely act. All right, enough of that. Power playoff rankings are out. I'm assuming, Carrie, you have seen that, and our listeners have as well. By the way, uh, this is going to be a very phone-friendly show. So get on board right now. We'll talk the entire first hour Chris Walsh from Bama Central will be joining us at 1 o'clock. The number is 205-342-9904. So, did anything on the top four uh, go through the top ten since Alabama's eighth? Anything surprise you about the first playoff rankings? I think I thought Alabama might be a little higher, like six or seven, coming off that big win over Tennessee. and But... They, they left them at eight, which is where they already were in the coaches and the AP. So I thought that was a little underestimatory, if that's a word. I would have had Alabama is now. probably seventh or sixth. But either way, Alabama is in a position to where if they run the table, and they know this, but if they run the table, including a win over Georgia and Atlanta, they're, they're going to get in the playoffs. Being, being eight this week is it's not great, but there's still a clear path. Yeah, Bama can take care of things, and uh, I, I think a very convincing victory over LSU would help. But then again, with this team, carry a victory over LSU by one late. I'll tell you uh, right now, Matt. What's that? I would take a one-point victory right now. Yeah, I would too. Uh, LSU, when they have 
you have an offense that potent, the last thing you want to do is get into a score fest because they'll win it. Um, but I think Alabama's defense is up to the task. So it went Ohio State, Georgia. I actually thought they might have been a little bit lower. Uh, Michigan, I think that's pretty clear right there by virtue of their so far pretty weak schedule. Is third than Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Texas. You said Alabama eight. OU is ninth. And how about them Rebels? Ole Miss comes in at number 10. Which, just getting back to the question concerning Alabama, Texas, Oregon, and Washington, okay? Is Washington's victory over Oregon, um, does it carry more clout than Texas's win over Alabama? Because it certainly appears so. Uh, well, I think the Texas win over Alabama seems almost like distant past right now. Uh, I realize that it happened, and the voters realize that it happened. But in the meantime, Texas has lost a game, and there's no guarantee they won't lose another one playing without their starting quarterback. So as bad as that hurt Alabama at the time, I, I think it's kind of like distant past. I think what really helped Georgia be higher than maybe some might thought was the way they dominated against Florida in Jacksonville, absolutely beat the crap out of them without Brock Bowers. And this is not one of Florida's better teams. I think we all know that. But Georgia went out there and showed up and showed out. And uh, I, I was a little kind of relieved they weren't number one. But they're still in great position. As, as, as far as the question, I, I think the, the Washington victory over Oregon will be remembered way more than the Bama loss to Texas, Matt. I really do. Yeah. By the voters, uh, the people that and, – and this is really the only poll that counts. Let's be honest. The, oh, the other ones are window dressing, but they're, they're fun. They're talking I mean, radio like fodder. Them. Yeah. And they, yeah. and they succeed. That See? Case in point right now, but we're talking more about the power rankings. And those are the ones – I mean, when, the, when they lock it up in the vault, the top four are going, and there's not much you can do to argue about it. Um, even though there are cases like last year with Alabama. You know, a lot of people thought they deserved it. And then, was it two years ago, Texas A&M probably should have been in? Boy, Texas A&M in trouble. Wow. I'm dancing all across the stage here. Um, But Alabama LSU, give me your initial thoughts on, give me two things, Kerry Clark, Alabama must do to come out on top Saturday night at Brian Dean. Number one, they got to play for four quarters. Uh, they need a combination of the first half against Arkansas and the second half against Tennessee all rolled into one game. And that's what it's going to take to beat LSU. So that's number one is playing for four quarters. Number two is containing because you're not going to stop him. You, you know, you, <laughs> what was the old phrase? You, you, you can't stop him, but you can only hope to slow him down, Jaden Daniels. You know, don't let him get outside the rush lanes. Keep him in the pocket. Make him beat you with his arm, not his legs. Because if you, if you give him scrambling lanes, he's going to continue to move the sticks. You know, to quote Nicholas Lou Saban Jr., uh, he killed us last year. And Nicholas Lou Saban Jr. is speaking the truth. There were times last year when Alabama's receipt, uh, cornerbacks and safeties did their job, but one person maybe didn't contain their rush lane and – he got outside or he got inside or what have you and he continued to move the chains with his legs he is equally as dangerous running the ball as he is throwing the ball and there's not that many quarterbacks that can say that 
Uh, if he chose to run more, Joe and Milrow could say it, but he likes to prove to people that he's, you know, Mr. Pocket. Well, Jaden Daniels is not like that. If he sees an opening, he's going to take it. And he, when he takes it, it's normally a first down for LSU, which is more time on the field for the defense and da 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 So, yeah, I'd say, <coughs> excuse me, play for four quarters and contain Jaden Daniels. That's my two keys. You know, I woke up with a sniffle this morning. I want this cool weather, did it? Although I haven't been outside, so. Yeah, my chair's right by a window, and you know how it is outside uh, right now. Yes, well, I know how the studio is. Uh, it is cold when it's 100 degrees. And outside. I'm wearing a sweater. Well, might need to. Might need what a coat. Right now, it's not even 40 degrees yet. I think it is now, but anyway. Uh, very, very interesting. Hey, um, what I'd like to do is take a break and come back and... I think this, I think that's funny. Um, you know, earlier in the year, I would have said that Deion Sanders, the Colorado Buffaloes were the biggest story in college football. And many agreed. The biggest story in college football is in Lansing, Michigan. And it just keeps getting worse. You'll hear from Dick Ma- Jim McElwain in just a second. Hey, this is Big Noon Sports. It's Matt, Kerry, Clark, Justin Jones. Hey to you, the man behind the glass. Join us at 205-342-9904. Big Noon Sports is presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 54. Tonight clear with another freeze, the low 32. Then for tomorrow and Friday, a warming trend. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 61, the high Friday at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Now, before we go any farther, uh, we've obviously are aware of a uh, picture floating around so with the the uh, the sign stealer guy. Um, you know, our people are doing everything they can to get to the bottom of it. Um, we're unaware, totally unaware of it. Uh, I certainly don't condone it uh, in any way, shape, or form. And, uh, you know, I do know that his name was on none of the passes that were let out. Um, Now we just keep tracing it back and tracing it back and try to figure it out. But it's in good hands with our people. Um, And, again, uh, you know, there's there's no place in football for that. Before we go. I think a lot of people. Agree with Jim McElwain. Now, what is going to be done about it and how fast? Before we address that issue, by the way, welcome back to the show. It's Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Kerry Clark are with you today, along with Justin Jones. But first, let's just address the details in which McElwain dropped on us just then, Kerry. He was on the sidelines without a credential? How does that happen in any game? Who's checking the gates? I don't know. I mean, Must be a Michigan fan. Did he buy a ticket to the game and then kind of sneak on the sidelines claiming to be a coach? I think Justin has a, a theory for us. Well, I, I think he had a credential, guys, and, and Jim McElwain was just trying to say, we don't know how he got it. Although, Uh-oh. I think 
somebody on that inside of that organization is is sneaking he, past. Yeah, he could have bought it. He could have bought it. <laughs> Some unethical media person could have gotten a credential and sold it to him. And the people at the gates, person. the people at the gates that put you on the field don't check your ID against your credential. They just look for the credential. So that's any stadium. So is it harder to get in the stadium without a ticket or on the sidelines with? That's just a, a quick media question. Uh, you, you're and supposed to have a credential issued by the university to get on the sidelines. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and technically, you're not supposed to be on the sidelines until the final six minutes of the game unless you have a photography pass. And that's usually an armband. So if he got a photography armband for somebody, they got a real problem. I don't know exactly what means he used. Maybe he just knew the gatekeeper. You know, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, well, and you can catch him looking the other way. I mean, if you were really, really patient and waited for the right moment, I could see you getting on the sidelines. And if you just wore some kind of lanyard or something with something flipping around, yeah, you could probably get past him. And then I don't think if you had that around your neck or something uh, equivalent to it, I don't think you'd have a hard time. Of course, you can't get into the box. You know, there are certain places where you can go. But you just stand. Is it between the 30s? I think supposed to be, like that. yes. Yeah. And you could stand at the 25-yard line and, and watch the game, and, I, you know, maybe he had a photographer pass. Maybe, maybe he was taking video, too. Well, maybe I, he just came against a rookie gatekeeper. I don't know. They didn't know what to check. But, so what do you make of all this, Kerry? We hadn't talked about this even on our show, which, by the way, we will be on uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, actually, Ooh. this week following the Alabama-LSU game. And um, hope that you stay up and listen to us. We'll not be able to go to walk-ons. Bummer. I had their lemon butter chicken. I'll go into detail later. But uh, it was one of the best dishes that my wife and I have ever had. So that being said about walk-ons, and uh, this coming Saturday night, please do dial us in. We'll be right here on Tide 100.9 and WTBC 1230. But just what's your overall take? Justin, I've lost Matt. Okay, we're working on getting the, the clean feed fixed there. Um, I will say this. I haven't closely followed this situation. Uh, I've only read a few paragraphs about it here and there. What what I do know is that, you know, rules were broken. <laughs> NCAA laws were broken, and punishment must be meted out. Uh, I don't think it's a situation where individual, or at least Central Michigan for sure, is guilty of anything. Uh, it remains to be seen if any of the bigger schools in that state are guilty of anything. I, I just, you know, it's all I can do to follow Alabama and the SEC, and I'm certainly no expert on on the Big Ten or Michigan or Michigan State or anything like that. But uh, I realize that at some point there's going to be some penalties handed out, but I would be egregious to try to guess who and what and when. Uh, we're working on trying to uh, get Matt back. Oh, we're, we're, oh, good. There he is. we're good. Uh, yeah, just uh, you know, one of those surges in the old Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. I'm I would, familiar. I would, I would thank my, I would thank my provider, but then again, I don't want to risk being held hostage by my cable company. Uh, I know the said, feeling. Uh, yeah, uh, it's difficult. Uh, sometimes I long for the day where we had three channels, and then uh, you had to get up and change them. That's it. That's it. Um, I just don't know if the NCAA 
has the manpower, the strength, the authority anymore to do something to Michigan when it should be done right now. This was going on this year. So if you can impose a penalty, maybe the penalty should also come this year. Then again, one of the things I've always disliked, Kerry. <laughs> I'm you taking it up there, Justin. Yeah, we're, finish that sentence. You, you work with Matt a lot. <laughs> finish that sentence for him. We're we're battling some gremlins over here today. Uh, I don't think it's. I think it's a. It might be in the Vesavia area, <laughs> not the Tuscaloosa area. Uh, but you know. Clean feed is what we use because it sounds better, but I think Skype is more effective. I'll just put that out there, <laughs> all you radio junkies. The, the times that we used Skype in the past, we never had these kind of issues, but there's something about clean feed that I think it bats about it just 900. Take me up again. There man. you go. There you go. We hear you now. I have no idea what You got cut off there. in the middle of your question to me. Um uh, I asked Justin uh, to finish it, but he he didn't want to he didn't want to speak for you. Uh, that's okay. Um, now, just uh, when and if anything is done to Michigan this year, next year, two years from now, I've always disliked the fact that the players pay the biggest price and they weren't involved. They weren't. And you know, there, there's a chance for Michigan to have a different type of penalty imposed on them, and it could be imposed on them by Ohio State in a few weeks. So oh. if Ohio State wins that game, then anything the NCAA does is – is moot because Michigan ain't going to be in the four. Is uh, looking ahead, is that a real possibility? You think Ohio State's better than Michigan? A possibility, sure. I mean, it's always possible. Uh, I think Michigan's better than Ohio State this year. But you have to remember about old shortlist in Prattville, Alabama. He finds ways to lose games that he's not supposed to lose. And I'm speaking of Jim Harbaugh. Right. Uh, he he finds ways to lose games he's not supposed to lose, and that Ohio State game could be such an example. And if it if it did, I think a lot of people would kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say, "Okay, justice has been served." Uh, because of what is going on here, I'll probably be pulling for Ohio State that day. Now I'll be concentrating on the Iron Bowl, of course, as will you, as will Mark McGriff, all of us on the Bama post game, but. We'll have, we'll have a wandering eye on that Ohio State-Michigan game because it has big playoff implications. It's, yes, it it's a um, It's win or go home for both those teams. That's it. And uh, you don't ever know what's going to happen down in Jordan-Hare Stadium. But <coughs> the focus this week, and I'm sure Nick Lou Saban would tell you that it's all about LSU, and I have no doubt he's right. that it will be. It is all about LSU, which, by the way, when you just gave his full name, Nick Lou Saban. Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas. Nicholas Lou Saban, Jr. You know, his uncle was a really good NFL coach. Buffalo Bills fans can attest. Yep. Lou Saban. Um, I always liked him. Um Golly, he stayed in the league what 30, 35 years? Had to be. I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to look. Something about that name, Saban. Yep. Um, and I've always thought that uh, you know football just ran in their blood. I mean, his dad was not a football coach, but he coached their teams, and he was very. Hey, he was a little league loved. coach. Yeah, but um, he was, basically started little league football in that part of West Virginia. Nick Senior did. What and, it was uh, like to go. 
pull into that gas station and have Nick's dad change your flat or. And what about Nick Jr.? He worked there too. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got some great stories about that. Like when he smarted off to the bum and his dad uh, whooped him. (laughs) Um, Isn't that where, uh, did he meet Terry there or he drove by there and said, Hey Terry, that's where you could be or something like that. They met a, uh, at a summer camp. She went to a school in a slightly bigger city than he did. He went to a school in the middle of nowhere. But she went to a little bit bigger school, and they met at a summer, I believe it was science camp. Nick is still trying to figure out to this day how he got picked to go to science camp. But he did, and that's where he met his future bride, and the rest, as they say, is history. All right, uh, give us the uh, Cliff Notes version of uh, Nick and, and the bum. Oh, well, uh, the high school team that Nick played for, uh, which is long after he played for his father in the Little League, the high school team had lost a very close game the night before. And Nick played quarterback and Nick played defensive back. And uh, there were a couple of big plays that decided the game. And this bum, literally, I don't know if he was homeless or what, but it, I think he was. He decided to uh, come by the gas station and start uh, verbally getting on Nick Saban Jr. about his performance and the team's performance the night before. And Nick basically, after, he took it for a few minutes, and then basically he turned around and smarted back to the guy, told him where he could where he could stick his opinions, and his dad happened to hear it. Oh, wonderful. And before Nick knew it, he felt the leather on his rear end. And uh, he was told... I realize that guy was giving you crap, but he's a customer, and you are never to speak like that to customers or adults, for that matter, ever again. And at this point, Nick is probably 16, our Nick. And Nick Sr. is just making a point about respecting adults and respecting, you know, potential customers. I mean, the guy probably bought peanut butter crackers or something. But, you know, anyway, he was he was told to be courteous to adults, respect them. And not smart back to him, blah, blah, blah. The guy, the guy picked a fight with Nick Jr., a right. verbal fight. And Nick Jr. responded back because, you know, he's coming off that tough loss and he's still ticked off about losing the game. And here's this guy wanting to pile on him. So he, uh, he gave the 16-year-old Nick Saban version of what the 53-year-old Dabo Sweeney gave Tyler from Spartanburg Monday night. <laughs> That's my analogy for you, Matthew. There you go. And, and a very good one. But uh, I'm not going to go on a deep dive into our culture today, but parents don't do that anymore. I'm not going to group them all together. Parents today uh, would take the sun side. uh, Parents today would have called the police on the bum and had him removed forever. Yeah, they would. And then praised their son for not whipping his butt. They'd have trespassed him. (laughs) Uh, Hey, we've taken a few turns in the first 30 minutes, so why don't we keep doing this? But pure entertainment. Yes, absolutely. We aim to entertain. Maybe a quick note on the World Series. Is it over? And, and by the way, McIlwain just gave Connor Stallions a great nickname or moniker. SSG, sign-stealing guy. I thought that was funny, Coach. That might stick. It might, if, especially if we propel it in that direction. Hashtag. You're listening. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Back in a minute. Don't 
more Big Noon Sports coming up. traveling today justin jones and carrie clark are back at the town square media studios of tide 100.9 last night i was doing a little trick-or-treating stuff i went over to my um, daughter's house um they have uh, three wonderful grandchildren so i uh i had the privilege of answering the door and handing out candy while they all the family all went trick-or-treating so that was a blast in uh, some of the costumes, and I'm not going to go into great detail, but were really very, very clever. And um, so that was a whole lot of fun. So I wasn't just glued to the set watching the World Series. And as Carrie, I think you know, and anybody listening to the show knows, I'm a really, really big baseball fan. And, and to miss World Series, grandchildren would be the only way. But Texas scored 10 in two innings, the second and the third. Added another. Arizona put on a comeback uh, to make it 11-7 the final. But the Rangers are now up 2-0. And um, the game tonight, they'll be um, in Arizona, 7 o'clock tonight on Fox. Um, Texas has just been incredible in the postseason. They have not, Kerry, they have not lost a road game. I mean, that's just, that's, that's incredible. Well, Matt, I had a couple other sources tell me that Texas was up three to one, and that it could be over tonight. Um, so if it's I, just two zero, then you're educating me. It's two one. If I said two zero, it's two one. Two to one. Okay. No, wait a minute. For so, I yes, really, yes, I really think yes. it's three to no, one. I think it is three to it's one. It's three to one. Yeah. yeah so yeah, they're, they're saying that Texas up. can end it tonight. Yeah. And, Texas. And, and if Texas wins yeah, tonight, there'll only be five teams left who've never won a World Series. There's six right now, and they're one of them. Yeah, they've only been, I think this is their third time. It, yeah, one of them was under Ron Washington, the Braves' third base coach. He was their manager oh. the last time they went and got beaten. I like that guy a lot. Yeah, Washington. I like great. Young at first. Um, yeah, I, I like the Braves staff a lot. Uh, need to do a few things here in the offseason to kind of get things together. Mainly, it's good grief, and you kind of don't have any control over the health of your starting pitching and your bullpen. It do make a uh, difference. Yeah, especially did. in the postseason. Um, and I, I misspoke. It is three-one because um, when Texas won the pivotal game three, you know that just ensured that they'd at least get to go home uh, if they lost a couple more. But now they may win the darn thing on the road, which uh, very I possible hate it for the people. I'll be surprised if they don't really. Uh, I don't. know. You think Arizona's just? Uh, they they have a saying, snakes alive, but they're they're on the uh, cusp of death right now. But they, yeah, they had, they really nobody are. thought they'd be here. Everybody, I mean, hats off to Arizona no matter what happens in this series. Uh, first off, nobody they thought they'd make the playoffs. Radar, they uh, weren't even me on my either. radar, Me either. And they play in our league, the Braves League. So I, I thought, hey, you know, <laughs> I never thought they'd even be a playoff team. But me either. They got hot at the right time, and I've seen other teams do that, including the Braves, and few and far between. But it has happened. So yeah, I, the fact that they made it this far is incredible. Well, they got to win one of the next three, and I think that's doable. And I you think may that's be right. Fun with they math. may show it up tonight. I, I'll be surprised if they don't. 
I will tell you this, and I have, I am just guessing at this, but I think it's uh, guessing with an education. I'm also thinking this may end up being one of the poorest ratings for a World Series since television. Well, I would have to agree because it's two teams that only their fans care about. There's no uh, nationwide appeal for either one of them. Yeah, and um, I think some baseball is is lost on the youth of America today. But uh, I still love it, and I'll still be watching. And tonight I can actually sit down and watch the whole thing. So uh, that'll be a pleasant way to spend the evening. But uh, it's not even being really respected by media outlets, Carrie. This is scary. You go to the front page, you know, the home page of ESPN, World Series isn't even mentioned. <laughs> I mean, with the Braves out of it, it's, my circle of friends are other talk college football, and they had two World Series teams they can't name a player on. Um, I think most of uh, most of my friends would probably rather talk about college football, even if it were the the Dodgers and the Yankees. So anyway, uh, speaking of that, let's get back and talk about the NFL because uh, man, it, it kind of rained on the Raiders. Their head coach, Josh McDaniels, and their general manager, David Siegler, both fired yesterday in the middle of the season. And I do mean in the middle of the season. I don't have a good memory for stuff like this, but that doesn't happen very often. I can't even remember the last time it did. How about you? Oh, I know it's happened, but uh, I can't off the top of my head remember the last time. But you have to understand, man, and you do understand this. And you do this for a living. We live in a world of what have you done for me lately? So, um, and again, this goes back to Tyler from Spartanburg and Dabo. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter how many 11-win seasons you had. You're 4-4 four and four now, and I want to know why we're paying you $11.5 million. Well, it, it, Josh McDaniels may not be making that much, but he's making a lot, and he's not producing. What Josh McDaniels is is a very good offensive coordinator. Yeah, there are guys like that, aren't there? And he gets to, yes, sir. And he gets to be a head coach, and he's proven now twice that it's not his cup of tea. But there's a lot of money to be made and, and NFL pensions to be made by being an OC. There's nothing wrong with it. I'll tell you this much I don't think he'll be out of work very long. No. Um, Maybe a few what weeks. Do you uh, you know, most, I think most coordinators at top level college football programs probably make a million or more. What do you think they make at the NFL level? Two? I would guess so, yeah. Boy. I remember when, you know, back in the day we could actually hang around the assistant coaching staff. Uh, there was a time. Know, Jimmy Ford, people like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So some of them, would be, they'd be griping about how they're having to scratch from one week to the next. I don't think any assistant coaches would most levels now have to worry about that. No, that's changed a lot from the Fuller days. Fuller was a mess. Was he not just a hot mess all the time? He was a talker, God, I miss him. Yeah, God rest his soul. That big old Salem cigarette hanging out of his mouth while he's on the blocking sled, and they're knocking him backwards and backwards, and he's yelling and he's barking and, of course, um, not using his uh, sailor language. Just put it right that. But, uh, you know, back then, <clears throat> you'd see uh, assistant coaches... There in Tuscaloosa, you'd see them like at the landing. Not that I could ever afford to go there. You see them jogging down Bryant Drive, <laughs> but not not now. Um, 
They're afraid yeah. to leave the office, even for lunch. Hey, do you believe that Nick Saban eats the same as a turkey or a chicken salad or something for every lunch? I think so. Yeah. He don't even leave the office to get his hair cut, Matt. There's a lady who comes up there and does it while he sits at his desk. <laughs> That's dedication right there. Well, there was a guy who preceded him by several years named Paul William Bryant. Uh, Paul Bryant he, went to the barbershop. Yeah, he had that one. Was it down? Down on 15th Street, Mr. Whitley. Yeah. I still yeah. go to that barbershop, by the way. Do you really? Yeah. Is there stuff hanging in it? Oh, uh, yeah. On the walls and yeah. stuff like Bryant? And There's all kind of little pictures and all. Now, the owner has retired and his son has taken over. But uh, I tell you one thing, when it gets hot outside... They'll give you a good flat top over there. I'm all yep. about that. Yeah, you are. It's grown out now, but I'm all about it when it's hot. Oh, um, my hair's all over the place. It's ridiculous. What little I have left. But anyway, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. It's Kerry Clark along with Matt Coulter. And when we get back, um, another exit of question in the National Football League. And, of course... Get carried to break down LSU Alabama again one more time. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Coming up, Coming up on the game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Wednesday edition of the game, we'll feature Josh from collegefootballnerds.com. Collegefootballnerds.com. We'll also go and talk with Dave Schultz down in Louisiana. We'll get you ready for Alabama and LSU. Nick Saban press conference following practice. We'll carry that live here on the game starting at 2 o'clock on Tide 100.9, 1230 WTBC. The longest running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 54. Tonight clear with another freeze, the low 32. Then for tomorrow and Friday, a warming trend. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 61, the high Friday at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 33. 40 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Alabama weather is just nuts. I realize people across the nation say their states are crazy too, and likely that's true, but we went down to low 30s last night. Next week, it's supposed to be back in the 70s, Gary. I heard early, I heard low 80s. Low, really? Yeah. They, they always say, if you don't like Alabama weather, give it 15 minutes. Well, it, what did it, the change from high to low over, um, what, maybe 24, less than 48 hours was um, 50 degrees, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, James says it's 49 right now, but sitting by this weather, I don't know, man. <laughs> by this uh, window. <laughs> by that window, you, you probably feel like you're in Montana. Oh, man. Oh. Hey, this was an odd story, and it's we'll just briefly mention it. But uh, Chicago Bears running back coach David Walker has been fired. Okay? Again, that happens midseason. Even for an assistant coach, I don't think that's very often. Now, they did not release anything. They just announced that their HR got involved, and the statement said standards were not met, okay? Now, 
you know, I don't know if you want to get specific. There'll probably be legal issues here, so you can't. But, um, boy, does that leave it wide open. So, anyway, I just thought that that was an interesting story in light of the fact that back on September 20th, the offensive coordinator, Alan Williams, resigned due to health and family reasons. So, I don't know if that necessarily means there's trouble of brewing with the Chicago Bears or not, but given uh, their record, um, maybe that's going on. They've already okay. won more than I thought they would. Um, but anyway, do, they're not good. Yeah. Uh, no. And, uh, man, when's the last time Chicago was relevant? When they had uh, – uh, what's the his Bears. name? The Bears. The Bears. The last time they were relevant when the Vandy guy was their starting quarterback? What was his name? Cutler? Probably so, yeah. Jay Cutler. Yeah. I would say I would say that was the last time. Yeah. Um, all right. You uh attend a lot of the Alabama media interview. You know, the like yesterday. Yes. They were they were doing players. What were the players available? It was uh let's see. Oh, J C Latham, offensive lineman. Uh huh. It was Kool-Aid McKinstry, and it was Chris Branswell. So we had a cornerback, an outside linebacker, and a right tackle on offense. Um, okay, Kool-Aid was there. Did he say anything about punting, punt returns? <laughs> he said he didn't want to give it up. You know, we, we had Isaiah Bond last week dropping a hint that we might be yeah. seeing him pretty soon back there. But Kool-Aid uh, talked like there were no changes imminent this week. Now, of course, Nicholas Lou Saban Jr. will make that call. We'll see who's back there for the first punt Saturday night. But based on the way Kool-Aid reacted yesterday to questions about it, I think it's going to be him. Um, I think the whole Bond thing was a little smoke and mirrors. To maybe to throw to a curveball to Brian Kelly, perhaps. But I, I think at least early on it's going to be Kool-Aid now. You know, Saban went into detail last week as to why he still wanted Kool-Aid back there. He said that he he did misjudge one ball, but on the others, uh, it was ones that he wouldn't have wanted him to catch because they were inside the 10. They just took unfortuitous bounces and rolls, as some punts can do. Kool-Aid is a dynamic punt returner if he gets a fair shot. But these rugby guys and these people with the five-second hang times and all that, they take that away from you. They do. And it's it's become a science. You know, you know, last year he was so dangerous, they just started kicking away from I mean, you thought he was Deion Sanders last year. Yeah. But he was <laughs> second in the nation, I think. He, yeah. he might have been first. I yeah. don't know. Well, I think average per, he might have been first. He averaged a little over 17, I think, over a return. That's but remarkable. they started kicking away from him this year. And, gosh, he's got a terrible return average, like four or five yards. It's not It's not good. And there's been a lot of minuses. I know he had one last week, two weeks ago, that was like minus seven. So, that being said, LSU will be wise not to kick it to him, and I'm sure they won't. But when they do, and he needs to fair catch it, he needs to catch it in the air and not let it roll to the one-yard line. And he knows that. It, you know, it's easy for us to sit in the stands in the press box or in front of our TV and or on social act media. like we could have done better. <laughs> but as somebody that used to catch punts in practice, I will tell you, it ain't easy. No, Lars and I have gone over this time and time. And, you know, well, you, you did it. Then you know. Uh, the, if the laces come down in a really bad way, 
rip the skin off the palms of your hands. Yeah, I, I never did it in a game, but I did it in enough practices to know yeah. how hard it is and how much concentration it takes. And you know, and we didn't even have great punters at my high school. You know, they weren't they weren't <laughs> they weren't five second hang times, and they weren't rugby. There was no such thing as rugby punting back in the mid seventies. And by the way, Matt, I invite you to go to my Facebook page and watch it. That the only two highlights I had in my varsity career. They're, they're, oh, really? They're very inspirational. One of them is me horse collar tackling. Uh, when it was still legal, a running back that went on to play for Clemson and the Falcons. Uh, his name was uh, Clifford Austin, Avondale High School. I played for Stone Mountain High School. And the other one is my very last game. I asked the coach to put me in because I was a backup. I mean, I played on the kickoff team, but I was a backup safety and, and receiver. And uh, I could tell the season was about to be over. And so I asked the coach to put me in. as my senior year, and he put me in there. And dang it, the Decatur quarterback didn't throw the ball right to me. And fortunately, I caught it and ran it back about 10 yards. So those, those two highlights are on my Facebook page now. So you, you remember that. So you, you go on there and watch them, and you'll have a whole new – and that was 100 pounds ago for me. But uh, <laughs> I just want to yeah, let you know that. Yeah, but you're a tall guy. I can see you making those plays. Yeah, I, well, I did. I did. I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't a great high school player. My coach pretty much treated me like a walk-on. But I'll tell you, my coach, Tom Van Tone, was a Tennessee Tech quarterback. And let me tell you, two quarterbacks he played against, they played for the same school. All right, hang on, hang on. Let's see. He played. Uh, he played against two play well-known against people. Did he play against Meredith? No. He played against two well-known people at the same school. And if I told you the school, it would give it away. So uh, I'll just tell you their names. Go ahead. Terry Bradshaw and Phil Robertson. Oh, well, that's... Now, back that's when we were sitting around P.E. telling tales of Coach Fantone's college career, he didn't know that Duck Dynasty was going to be a thing, so he never mentioned no. Phil. Uh, Phil Robertson, by the way, once threw for 400 yards against Alabama at Bryant-Denny Stadium, but he also threw four picks in that game. They lost. But Coach now, would tell us about playing against Bradshaw and how he could sling it about 80 in the air. And uh, he just was amazed at Bradshaw's arm. And this was when Bradshaw was a young Steelers quarterback. This was mid-70s. And uh, so, yeah, but my coach was a starting quarterback at Tennessee Tech. That's cool. I thought for some reason you said Texas Tech. Therefore, that's why I went to the Southwest Conference erroneously. But uh, I probably spoke too fast. Is there anything to what we used to hear when Duck Dynasty was on that Robertson was actually ahead of Bradshaw on the depth chart at one time? Well, he was. And yeah. then he decided not to play his senior year. Because uh, he wanted to call Ducks. He wanted, yeah. He, he, well, he also wanted, he also wanted, he, well, I won't say he wanted to start a family, but biology caused him to start oh. a family. So um, him and Miss Kay were not married when the first was conceived. But there's actually a movie that was recently out called The Blind and it's like the blind as in a duck blind. And yeah. it's the biography of Phil Robertson. I saw it about three weeks ago. It was pretty, pretty inspirational, a little flick. It, it didn't get a lot of PR, but it was really interesting to find out some things about Phil that I didn't know. I will say this. He, he had a raucous young adulthood yeah. before he met the Lord. Yeah, he was wild and crazy. Very much so. And I didn't even know that. I mean, he owned, I a, he owned a bar, Matt. He owned oh. a bar. I can see that based on what I've heard about his youth. But he, uh, this, yeah, this is uh, mid-20s or so. 
And uh, then he met the Lord by a local pastor, and everything changed, thankfully. And he uh, started making those duck calls, and the rest, as they say, is history. But Phil was a great college quarterback at uh, Louisiana Tech. Not to mention his days in, in West Monroe. He was a great quarterback in high school, too. Wow. Uh, <laughs> they even had a guy in the movie playing Psy. You can oh, ima- I love you, Psy. You can imagine that. Uh, who's the... Who's the... Is it... Uh, who's the son? Who's the guy that wears the American flag bandana? Oh, that's... Uh, no, it's not He's, Jace. Uh, Jace is the one with the big... Oh, Willie. That's Willie. Wow. He... Uh, was back in when Duck Dynasty was just off the charts yeah. as far as his popularity. He was a grand marshal for one of the races at Talladega. Oh, Willie was? Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And so, you know, my role over there, I'm, I'm around these people all the time, and particularly, you know, when they cue me to introduce him to say, gentlemen, or driver, start your engine. So we got to hang out for a couple of minutes. Just what a remarkable, very articulate, smart guy. Seems like yeah. a nice guy. Uh, I think they all are when, you know, uh, when you really consider what they represent. Yes. Just, uh, I'll, I'll put it right there, and I love what they Great represent. success story. I wonder what they're doing these days. Is well, you know, they, they've got a show uh, on Fox Nation. You have to subscribe to it and cast it to your TV where uh, Jace and Jep and this other friend of theirs go treasure hunting. It's nothing to do with ducks at all, Matt. They literally go to people's property and take metal detectors around and and and, and they look for treasure. It's uh, it's it's a pretty fun little show. You know, the size on there a little bit, but not much. Just a few minutes a week. Some of those uh, Louisiana backwoods probably have some stuff you'd rather not find. Whoops. All right. Hey, Carrie, this hour has flown by. Tell everybody what we're going to do Saturday night, and I'll let you go. We will be on the air two hours following the conclusion of the Alabama-LSU game, sometimes faster than that, <laughs> but normally about two hours after, after the game is over with. Uh, we will be broadcasting from the studio this week. We're unable to go to walk-ons, but it's the Tide Postgame Show with myself, Matt Coulter, and Mark McGriff. Uh, the three stooges of Bama postgame analysis. <laughs> that's that's what uh, we are. We and we I used to part my hair in the middle so I can be shimp. Um, but before that, when I was a little kid, I had Mo, no I bangs. Uh, oh, did you now? When I was a kid, I really to about 11th that's grade. Cool. Um, hey, thank you for taking an hour out of your busy day because I know you've got other responsibilities there at Town Square. Thank you, and I will see you Saturday in the studio. It's, it's a date. Thank you, sir. Have a good I one. I appreciate it. Kerry Clark, who is uh, heard often on Tide 100.9 and WPBC 1230. And again, hear him along with Mark and myself. Saturday night. Hey, let's take a break when we come back. Chris Walsh has a pretty cool announcement to make. And also going to uh, talk to him about Michigan, LSU, Alabama. We'll get to all those things. Coming up next on Big Noon Sports.
Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. The Texas Rangers are one win away from their first World Series title in franchise history. They will face the Arizona Diamondbacks for Game 5 tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can catch all the action on Fox. Nathan Eovaldi will be on the mound for Texas. And Zach Gallen gets the start for Arizona. A lot of changes in the last 24 hours for the Las Vegas Raiders. First, they fired head coach Josh McDaniels and GM Dave Ziegler. They have also fired offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi. According to the NFL Network, Raiders rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell will start in their Week 9 matchup against the Giants, replacing Jimmy Garoppolo. Falcons head coach Arthur Smith has named Taylor Heineke as their starting quarterback for their Week 9 matchup against the Vikings, replacing Desmond Ritter. And the Vikings announced that quarterback Kirk Cousins has undergone successful surgery to repair his torn Achilles tendon. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Indeed, it is Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter running without Lars Anderson. He is um, actually traveling. He's in the air, I think, as we speak. Justin Jones is our outstanding producer, as always, and being joined now from Bama Central SI. The one and only Chris Walsh. Chris, how are you? You may be in there somewhere between here and Columbia. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not in the air. Hey, but you do we we you kind of teased it uh, a week ago or so. Uh, we we know what a great job you do with Bama Central on behalf of Sports Illustrated. But you've been approached by Missouri, and I can tell you since you text me so that you can kind of make this official now, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and just to explain what exactly it is, um, you know, Bama Central is part of Fan Nation, which is under the Sports Illustrated umbrella. And we, um, you know, we're locally owned. I mean, I'm the owner, but um, that's our affiliation. And they kind of view it as being almost like, um, you know, franchises uh, for the for the team sites and so forth. And they hadn't had one at Missouri for 
um, roughly a year for, uh, you know, whatever reason. And they really wanted to get back in Missouri and they asked me if I would, if I would take it over. And so the site is now called Mizzou Central and we've got a really great uh, team of, of writers that uh, we're kind of, you know, we're still kind of putting it all together and, you know, who's going to do what and everything like that. But um, uh, we're off and running and, and the site's going well and it's been an interesting couple of weeks for me. Well, congratulations. And um, if you haven't gone to their website, go to Bama Central and uh, check out not just Chris's contributions, but your staff as well. So that being said, has Missouri got a shot in Athens this weekend? Oh, of course they got a shot. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, a lot of your listeners obviously are, are in Alabama and, and, you know, they're focused on other teams. You know, most of them probably Crimson Tide, some Auburn fans, UAP fans, uh, whatever, maybe even some, maybe even some Mississippi fans. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But um, it's, this is a, it's, it's a, this, this seems better than people think. And, and they've had some very interesting games this year. They've got a really, uh, they've got a great running back. They got a, they got the kind of quarterback that, that, you know, when the coach says, you know, run through a wall, he kind of backs up to get a little bit more leverage kind of thing. Hmm. And the, um, uh, the the defense is is underrated. It's good pass rush, really good pass rush. So um, it's I, you know, if I was a betting person, obviously I think you got to go with Georgia at home. I mean, just because of the the talent that Kirby Smart has, and you know, the college football playoff committee probably didn't do do any favors by making Georgia number two instead of number one. Because you know, I'm sure they're going to be like, oh, really? Um, two-time reigning Let's champion. Go. Let's go yeah. behind a team that only has one loss. But it's, it's interesting to me, Georgia, right now, they're in this stretch of four games that, I mean, look, their schedule hasn't been really anything this year, let's, let's be honest, but um, they're, they're in this stretch. I mean, the beat Florida last week, obviously, um, good win for, for Georgia, got Missouri this week, and then they've, they've got two more ranked teams right after them. And that's one of those areas when you hit ranked teams in two, three, four weeks in a row, that's where you get upset. I mean, if it, um, that, you know, it's, it's just, it's so hard to get through a stretch like that for, for any team. If Georgia emerges through that, I, they gotta be number one. Uh, I, I don't care what the committee says. Um, and you know, the big 10, <laughs> you know, who knows what's going on with Michigan whole, you know, it's, that's a whole nother can of worms. But, um, it's, you know, Missouri's getting this shot. We'll see what they can do. You know, the game's at Georgia. Again, doesn't do them any favors. But, um, you know, you, you never know. <laughs> and uh, you never know, leading to Michigan or back to Michigan, what, if anything, NCAA will do. But um, I was telling Kerry Clark earlier, the story of the year initially was Dion in Colorado and rightfully so, especially if they opened so strong. But I'm afraid the story of the year now as we finish is going to be Michigan and the sign stealing from Connor Stallions and what Jim McElwain came out and said that there was a guy on the sideline who they didn't credential, but he was just standing there with a camera in his hands. What do you make of all this and do you think Michigan is there any way that they could be penalized during this season. 
Um, sure, absolutely. And you know, the tricky part is always with with things like this is is what you can prove and what you know. Uh, because you know, because the NCAA is is always in a tough spot because um, anything and everything can end up in court, and obviously you want to avoid avoid that, but. It's also, you know, they're dealing with 50 different states. So you're talking about 50 different sets of laws plus federal laws on top of that. Uh, and, you know, look, I'm I'm not familiar with Michigan law at all. Um, if, if the NCAA came in and, and, you know, did something, what kind of uh, recourse Michigan might have? Because, of course, they're going to fight it legally. I mean, they're going to turn, turn on five seconds later and try to get a judge to say, oh, you can't do that which they'll probably find in, in the state of Michigan, I would think. Um, and, you know, that's the that's just kind of the way that it works. So uh, I, I'm kind of like everybody else. Uh, I'm waiting to see what the NCAA uh, will do. But, you know, it's there may not be a whole lot that they can do right now. It, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of uh, unfolds and develops as, as we move forward during this last month of the season. Well, they can always, like, go back and take away wins and that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, who cares? If you, you, know, if you really, let's, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, but you know what? I don't, I can't remember Gene Stallings. Did he lose 10 games? I can't remember. Don't really care. Um, to me, it's yeah. all about the players, you know. And that's the unfortunate thing about this is that uh, if Michigan does get penalized, the staff, the administration, they, they really, I mean, there may be fines and that kind of stuff, certainly, legal costs. But the kids that don't have anything to do with it are going to pay the biggest price. if they. You know, and, and that's an argument that I always hear. And, look, I get where everyone's coming from. It happened at the institution. You have to penalize the institution. Yeah. You have to make them so miserable that they never think about ever doing it again. So, look, I understand that. But now, especially in the age when we have NIL and players are almost like professionals as it is, students, you know, these guys latched on to Michigan. They all signed deals with Michigan, and they can leave whenever they want. That argument to me no longer applies. I'm sorry. You um, know what? That's a really good point, Chris. Uh, it at least makes it a little easier pill to swallow. Yeah. And, and, and before it was because the players couldn't go anywhere. You know, and, and right. with the transfer portal and everything else, I'm sorry. And, and if they've been cheating in this manner, you're going to tell me the players didn't know. I'm going to say baloney. Of course they know. Well, Harbaugh you know, said it, it, he didn't know, and I can't believe that's baloney too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you see some of the videos where these guys are, like, standing up and they're looking for the signal from the other team, and then they react. Of course they know. They absolutely know. Good stuff. I want to get an Alabama LSU when we get back. You're listening to Chris Walsh, Bama Central Sports Illustrated. You need to read up. Just put their um, website on your homepage. That's what we do. <laughs> we'll be back with more with Chris Walsh and you listening right here on Big News Sports.
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 54. Tonight clear with another freeze, the low 32. Then for tomorrow and Friday, a warming trend. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 61, the high Friday at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Chris Walsh from Bama Central is our guest. Uh, before we get into a deep dive here with Alabama and LSU, tell everybody all the platforms they can find Chris Walsh and company. Uh, Bama Central, we're your Sports Illustrated home for all things Crimson Tide, BamaCentral.com. Real easy to find. Twitter, um, also on on Facebook, although I think we're Bama Central SI there. Um, and also we have a newsletter, YouTube, we're all over the place. Good. And, um, you cover all, like you said, all Alabama sports. All right. Alabama LSU this Saturday night. I truly believe that uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium is going to be a rocking. Kind of, not maybe to the full tilt that it was against Tennessee, but I think kind of close. Uh, I've been asking everybody this all week. Give me two things Alabama must do to win. Score more points. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Be that smart. Get away. No, that's all right. It's funny. <laughs> um... Two things they got to do. Well, one they got to they got to they got to make life miserable for that quarterback for LSU. That's obviously a big one because LSU's got number one offense in, in the nation, I believe. Um, and you know, LSU wins this game, he might be the front runner for the Heisman because um, yeah. that that race is suddenly wide open and everyone's kind of like, uh, I don't know what to vote for. Um, that's one. Uh, and I'll go with the obvious one: turnovers. You know, yeah. just if I mean, I the offensive line is obviously it, it's 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 making strides. It's 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 pretty clear, um, and it's been a long time coming. Let's be honest. Uh, but you know, it, you've got young guys in key spots. It's going to take a while, kind of thing. Uh, this game being at L, at, at Frank Denny is a huge advantage, I think, for the Crimson Tide. Because if it was at LSU, you know, we know what that atmosphere is like. I mean, that was absolutely nuts last year. Won't be quite the same this year, but Alabama fans should be revved up um, pretty pretty good considering that the Tigers, you know, grabbed that win uh, and, the, and the way that they did last year. So uh, I like Alabama's uh, chances. It, it, this is a team that is continuing to kind of take steps and, and and grow together and they i mean the path for them is clear they just got to keep winning you know and you know four games sec championship you know you win all five you're in the playoff it's that simple i think um freddie roach should uh, get some consideration for assistant coach of the year um, that defensive line has really, really progressed to where now they're putting pressure on quarterbacks and they're really stopping the run. Would Would you concur with the job that he's done with the D line? Yeah, and he's a really good recruiter as well and personable. And, and he, you know, this is one of those guys. 
that I, I covered him obviously at Alabama when when he was a player because um, I've, I've been here so long now, and it's just you really you, you love to see these kind of guys, you know, like uh, um, D'Amico Ryan's, you know, is now with the Houston Texans. It's just like okay, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those moments where you go, I'm getting a little little long in the tooth. Okay. Uh, yeah. But you love to see it, you know. It's it, and they're they're good guys. It's 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 not like, you know, it's it, it's always kind of a disappointing thing when you sit there and you, people are like, oh, you covered so and so, and you can't tell them it's like, yeah, you're such a, you know what, you know. <laughs> um, and that's not the case with these guys. I mean, I really liked them when they were here as, as players, and and to see the way that they've they've grown and developed and become really good coaches has been so much fun. Yeah, I do tend to remember the really good guys fast. Um, yeah. Because I guess that's just the way I walk. But, I, you know, be honest with you, I've been doing this longer than you, Chris. Uh, that doesn't mean anything other than that I'm older than you, okay? <laughs> but uh, even when I was doing Auburn, I was doing Alabama most of my life, I really don't remember one guy that was particularly hard to deal with. Um of course, that's back when you had guys like David Housel, the sports information director, and he educated his student athletes before people were educating them with the media. Um, and in turn, that helped us. So I've always liked yeah. that. But uh, I, I, did you ever work much with David Housel? I'm just throwing this out there. No, no, I, I, I uh, did. I mean, obviously, I've met him and, and gotten to know him, know him a little bit, um, uh, you know, over the years from from, from being here, but. You know, my first my first job was actually in Fort Myers, Florida, and you know it was it was, it was a great area for talent, um, guys that would develop and and you know get to the pros and so forth. Like uh, Edwin James is one of those guys. You know, I, I saw him in high school. He was like you know a man among boys, and you know goes to Miami and then you know becomes a, a Hall of Fame running back, um, and. You know, there are some guys back from back then that I'll, I will always think of very, very fondly, even. But my first pro team was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Tony Dungy was the head coach. And I think the world of Tony Dungy. But there were a couple guys on that team I will never forget because they were total jerks, you know, mm. kind of thing. And, you know, when you get to that level, that's, that's not uncommon, you know, because there's a lot of guys in those locker rooms. Um, Major League Baseball as well. And uh, or you know even NBA and, and, and NHL and you know to, to find personalities that can really perform well together on a field it's a lot harder than people think. I'm really really happy to know that Edgar and James is a good guy. Um, he, yeah, he he, he was, um, and he was one of those guys. <laughs> like I'll never forget his senior year. He was the best running back in the area that year. It seemed like every single year there was some guy who was like, I can't believe this guy. Uh, Javon Kurz, uh, Ernest Graham, uh, probably your listeners may not remember him. He he ended up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after going to Florida. Well, yeah, they probably do remember him. Um, yeah, because he was a freak. I think they yeah, called well, no, him a freak. Javon Kurz was a freak. Yeah, uh, Well, okay. Javon Kurz, they, he played both ways, and he played safety. And they would line him up over the quarterback – and the you know the poor kid on the other side would look up and see Javon Kerr, uh, Kerr standing over him and just kind of like uh-huh, you know because he was six five you know kind of thing 
safety. But he could jump out of a gym. He could. I imagine the quarterback thinking he's just going to hurdle my center and clock me. Yeah, you know, and then they line <laughs> him up at tight end on on the offense. So, um, but it's I'll never forget um, Edron James. So his senior year, he gets hurt. Uh, I don't remember what the injury was, but he missed half the season. He comes out the first game, and I think he had like 212 yards. Wow! And he had them all like by halftime. <laughs> you know, and it was just, it, you know, you see these videos of like where, you know, like the mascots are playing the little kids and they're just running them over, kind of thing. Which I'm not really a fan of, but it reminds me of Edwin James in high school to be honest. <laughs> what was that about the time that Warwick Dunn was at Florida State? I've always heard that he was an incredibly uh, gifted man on the field and off. Wonderful. Yeah, he um yeah, it was around that time. Um and then when uh when I when I started covering the Bucks, it was the same newspaper. Uh Warwick was there with Mike Alstott and and I came up oh, with yeah. a nickname of uh, WD40 which didn't really stick, but that's okay. Um <laughs> No, I actually <laughs> think were, I've heard that before. And yeah, they were you. They were a really interesting uh combo and um uh you know, cuz it's you never knew you, you were going to get hit in the mouth by Alstott or, you know, it was then run with, with work done. And then Trent Dilfer was, was the quarterback, um, who is now, of course, you know, head coach. Um, Maybe. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of, um, it, that was an interesting locker room. John, John Lynch was the uh, safety who is now, uh, the 49ers uh, president. Uh, G, yeah. He's more than, than the GM. Um, John is a very sharp guy. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, he, it's when I needed to know something and, and, and understand it kind of thing, I'd go to him. Lars knows him real well and has nothing but wonderful things to say about him. So yeah, he's great. And, um, the only thing I can pick on him is that he went to Stanford. You know, because uh, I like I like to kind of poke fun at people from Stanford a little bit because they they always remind you that they went to Stanford. Yes, they did. You know, yes. <laughs> hey. Um, Chris, I'm going to let you go. One more question. Moving yeah. away from football. What's the last, the latest you've heard about a new basketball arena? Uh, it's the last I heard, and I haven't really talked to anyone in a little bit about this, was they were kind of in a holding pattern because the all the, the construction costs went through the roof when inflation went up so so much. Uh, now that inflation is, is, is you know, coming down, um, that when would it financially makes sense, uh, they, they're hopefully going to going to go kind of thing. I mean, they've they've got the land; it's clear, it looks good. Uh, we actually posted a video; it was kind of kind of interesting. Um, where I I started just off campus, and I drove to where the new Sports Illustrated Resort is going to be, just across the river. And it was like, okay. Um, here we go, and and then you know, drive by the softball stadium, and then it's like, hey, by the way, those of you wondering where the basketball arena is going to be, that's where it's going to be, um, because they took all like the uh, debris from when they uh, tore down Tutwiler, they used that to build up the foundation, so you know where it is, and then okay. right across the river, boom, is is the resort, and it's less than a two minute drive. I mean, it's like a ninety second video. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, we're here. <laughs> that fast. Wow. Well, you just literally, you go over the bridge? Is that it? The mm-hmm. resort, you're talking about the, um, is it ESPN? Sports Illustrated. It's your bridge. It's your resort. 
Not yet. I'm trying to talk about a name in Atlanta Central, but uh, I, for some reason that's not going over well yet. So, well, you should be given exclusive membership, and you can pass that along to all your friends. I tell you what, you know, we do podcasts, we do a lot of video work. We're going to be doing stuff from there every single day. Just Great. about, you know, and and we're going to be doing it for. Some of, you know, the other sites that we're getting involved with as well, it's, it'll be just kind of, we're going to, I'm going to tell them flat out, if you guys build a, a like a, like a place where, um, you know, people can do interviews or something like that, we'll be there every day, almost, you know? Well, be fun. Yeah. They ought to have you a little studio, a little office. I mean, I don't think there's yeah, that would, in it. you know, that, that would. It, no, that's it. Exactly. That, that's exactly what we're kind of thinking. And, and if well, they can put it full side, that'd be really nice. <laughs> Anything you ask, Chris Walsh. Hey, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Congratulations on the Missouri gig. I hope that doesn't just overwork you, but I think you're up to the challenge. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. You bet. Hey, um, boy, I just got this breaking news. Something apparently has happened after 43 years of waiting. Uh, don't believe it even if I tell you. You're listening to Big News Sports. For championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on LSU at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Our coverage begins at 3.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Many thanks to Kerry Clark and to Chris Walsh, who was just with us. And Justin's going to fly the rest of the way as literally that's what Lars is doing. First... I don't think this is breaking news whatsoever because it's hard to believe it's true. Now, you're you're too young to probably... I know you weren't around when this story first developed. But have you even heard... And it's okay. If you, have you ever heard of Jimmy Hoffa, Justin? Yeah, I actually... There's a great movie on Netflix called The Irishman with... Um, yep. De Niro? Oh, it's got a great cast. Is it De Niro, um, I think, is the main character? Yeah, and they've got three or four other guys um, that you recognize. But yes, so too. from watching that movie, I've I've learned and since then looked up uh, about Jimmy Hoffa. So yeah, I did. Okay, good. Well, he disappeared in, in uh, 1975. And since then, there has been, um, I guess you call it a manhunt. I don't mean to be morbid, but it'd be a dead man hunt. But... And he's, they would dig up areas. Uh, one time they dug up the northwest corner of Giant Stadium at the Meadowlands because somebody said he was buried there. Well, he wasn't. And now they're saying, interestingly enough, that they actually have found his site. And oddly enough, it's uh, next to the current Milwaukee Brewers Stadium. Does it always have to have stadiums involved? 
American Family Field, where they believe Hoffa's body lies in a spot under where the demolished stadium's third baseline previously stood. So Wow. Um, there's this group called Case Breakers, uh, headed up by a former police officer. But um, they say he has the evidence that it's there. I'm trying to read down real quick. Three credible witnesses are said to have claimed that six years before the, de- the demolition of Milwaukee Stadium, Hoffa's body was moved from another location and put in this one. So <coughs> all kinds of twists and turns when it comes to Jimmy Hoffa. But if I were a betting guy, they're going to find the same thing that Geraldo Rivera did in Al Capone's vault. Now, that one probably did go past you. All right. That one, that ask, one did. <laughs> did, you, have you ever, did you ever hear that story? No, I don't think I have. Geraldo had a regular, had a, he would do a series of specials at night in primetime. And one of them was that um, they had found Al Capone's hidden vault deep beneath some building in downtown Chicago. And they promoted this like the Super Bowl. And here it comes, countdown. And they did it live, okay? Live television. Obviously, this is a long time ago, and that was pretty special for primetime. And so, you know, he had all these camera crews, and they're wandering around through all these doors and entrances and exits, and it looks like somebody's basement, basically. You know what they found? Is it a, a load of nothing? <laughs> nothing. Yes, yeah, a big wheelbarrow full of nothing. And uh, it was one of the biggest busts on television that we've seen, at least in my lifetime. All right, I want to get your take on LSU. And I've asked this question to everybody this week, so I have to include you. Don't say score more points. Two things Alabama must do to beat LSU. Um, two things. So I think I'll break it down this way. You can name more if you like. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, offense and defense. The, the offense is going to be put in positions where they are going to have to score to keep up with LSU and Jaden Daniels. Um, It's not something we've had to do. It looks like they've struggled to do it in the Tennessee game, although we got it done. They, when we really needed a a bounce back drive in that first half, not there. Of course, when we needed anything in that first half, it wasn't there. Um, But is, is the offense able to, when we need points, go out there and get points by whatever means because that is going to be the key of this game as much as we we love that sec football is typically defense heavy i don't think this one is going to be um if it is it'll be in alabama's favor moving to my the second point the defense has to limit Jaden daniels on offense i think the score here is if you keep it high 20s low 30s that's going to favor Alabama to win the game. If it gets out of hand and, you know, we're looking at it over, under, close to the 80s, um, man, we're in trouble because if it's a shootout, I don't think we win. Like I mentioned before, the offense has struggled to find points when they need them, and it, it, it might be nasty in Brian Denny in that case. I, I agree on all fronts, and I've, I've also said I think they've got to get physical, out physical, LSU at the point of attack, both sides of the football, and I, you know, I like where the I like where the lines are headed. You know, I do too. I, I, I think. I, go ahead, please. Uh, they started at what at six? I think. Um, I think it's going to be much closer. 
But as for the, uh, another position I wanted to mention, too, that's going to have to have uh, a good day on Saturday that's kind of been, I don't think it's been overlooked, but it's not been talked about as nearly as much as I would think, is the Alabama receivers versus that weak LSU um, defensive backs. That's going to be a real point to exploit LSU on defense, and that's where, if the offense is going to score points, that's where we're going to see uh, scores. And it will put more emphasis on Milrow making the 10, 15-yard completions um, because he can dump it and he can chunk it. But um, we'll see how that works out. But I think everyone I've talked to is in agreement with one of your thoughts, and that's we cannot get into a shooting match with them because they have no, they have more guns on offense. It's we so have more guns on defense. It's so interesting how the offense at Alabama has changed just in the last – five years maybe because it when we had Tua, Jalen when we had Mac we when we had Bryce um we could get into a shootout and we'd be pretty confident uh that we were going to be able to score points especially with Bryce in out of all possibilities even last year we knew that Bryce would get us in a position to score points and and win the game but we're not like that anymore now we're, we're back on this defense we're back on trying to milk the the clock on offense and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Back uh, back in the era that you're talking about, it was rare that Alabama did not score the first time they touched the football in the game. Now it's rare that they do. You remember that? They had a streak of scoring on their first drive for like 11 games or something. It was yeah, just... we, we would always expect a, like a Tua, Mac, uh, Jalen, just a deep ball. It seemed to always be a bomb that started uh, the game off and, and – the opposing team fans would uh, simultaneously groan at, oh, okay, never, this, <laughs> our chance is gone. It's going to be a beat down. You know, that was really, really true with Mac. Uh, was it 2020, the COVID year? I mean, yes, I they would so. score the first three times they had the football. Um, that, that Alabama team, I think, should be mentioned among the best ever. Uh, at Alabama and maybe nationally as well, but uh, I, I uh, man, I like that team and boy, do they have a lot of weapons. You know where they all are now in the National Football League. All right, got other questions to pose to Justin Jones, and if you'd like to join us at the tail end of the show, please do. That's two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. We'll take those calls. On the other side of the break, as you listen to Big Noon Sports and our shout-out to Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. She'll be with us uh, Friday, by the way, between noon and 2 as we do our show from Innisfree. Please come by, have a burger and a beer. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join the Martin Houston Show powered by Max Sports on a beautiful Thursday. We'll be talking Max recruiting. We'll also look uh, deeper inside what the Crimson Tide needs to do to walk away with the victory. We'll let you know what we want to see more of. You can also add your thoughts and your comments to it as well. Join us. 
Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Join Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 54. Tonight clear with another freeze, the low 32. Then for tomorrow and Friday, a warming trend. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 61, the high Friday at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Wrapping up the show on um, a beautiful but tad chilly Wednesday afternoon. Matt Coulter, Lars will be back with us tomorrow. Justin Jones is in the studio and Robbie Glenn is on hold, but before we go to him, you really, really, you know, you got me thinking about the Irishman there, Justin. And you were right. It did have De Niro in it. It was directed by Scorsese. And uh, in addition to De Niro, it also had Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Ray Romano, the comedian, you know, everybody loves Raymond. I forgot. He had a very interesting role in there, and he was really good. And then anytime you put Harvey Keitel in a movie, I'm going to watch it. Um, I just I don't think he misses, and he selects his roles so carefully. All right. That all being said, let's go to Robbie Glenn, our baseball expert. How you doing, Robbie? <laughs> hey, man, doing good. I like being called an expert on something. That's, that's nice. Thank you. Well, you're experts on a couple other things, but let's just talk about baseball for now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. I don't even want to talk about it. World Series has let me down. I mean, I'm you know happy for Texas, but come on. The World Series, I want to see some, like that first game. That was great. But now yep. it's just, Texas is going to run away with it, I think, unless they can pull something out. But, you know, one of the things I, I didn't really, I didn't really have a horse in this race. I think I, I did lean towards Texas because they've never won one. <laughs> uh, but one thing I always pull for, particularly if I don't have a team, uh, is I wanted to go seven. Game sevens in whatever sport you're talking about are fabulous. And I don't think this one's going there. Well, you know, then again, you know, they came back against uh, Philly. Arizona did, and I didn't think that would yeah. be possible. But you never know. Is, I mean, they, they, could, you really they don't. could pull it out. And hey, I definitely want game seven, too. That is the best. Um, but I'm also ready for this weekend. LSU at night. Man. Um, before we get off the baseball, uh, Alabama baseball is having their alumni weekend. So any players that are back in town and families or whatever, they're having it at the stadium. Uh, this Saturday, meet the team, the new coaches, having food, everything. Cool. So I'm trying. I'm trying to get some coaches to come by Friday and talk. But they're, uh, now, is is this an invite thing? Is this an invite thing, or it, are we just making I think all it's former just players for former, aware? I think okay. it's for former players. But I, you can go on RollTide.com and click on it, and I think there's a link where you can actually sign up and come to the stadium and meet some players. Um, oh. It, sh- it shows everything in there. So, of course, I won't be able to go. I'm letting my wife, you know, Lindsay, and all her girlfriends are going to take the tickets and go and enjoy LSU game this weekend like we did the Tennessee. Aren't so I don't think they're going to enjoy it as much as we did, but they'll, they'll have a good time. <laughs> You're such a good dad. Yeah, yeah, I'll be sitting with Strike watching it. Yep. Well, uh, I'll be somewhere because we got to do that post game show, and it's going to be a post, 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 post game show. 
after the end of this yep. one. Kickoff's at 645, so what's going to be over around 10, something like that? Yeah, I say 10, anyway. 30. I mean, yeah. games go a little quicker, but commercials, yeah, it's going to take a little time. It is. So what do you all think it's going to take for Bama to get this one? I've heard you've been asking everybody, you know, the – what are they well, you know, uh, I th- I think they have to out physical them at the line of scrimmage on both sides. They just they got to be tougher and meaner, and they got to hit harder and drive more on both sides of the football. That's my one take. What's yours? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it, it's going to help that maybe I heard Wingo is out for them. Um, that's going to help a little bit. But we got to stop Perkins. But I still think the key to us. Is two have courses stopping Daniels and their awesome receivers, neighbors and Thomas, and uh, and stopping Perkins, like I said. But we got to get off the field with those third and longs and fourth and shorts. If we could stop them on some of those and not give them up, I think that'll be a key. You know, giving you know stopping, not giving them second chances, and that comes to dead ball fouls too. Mm. We can't have this game's going to be emotional. It's going to be loud. It's a night game, and we've been known to do some unnecessary things, some penalties, some jawing back and forth after the play. If we can limit those and not give the ball back to them after we get a stop, I think we'll be big, and I think we'll be fine. I think I think we can shut them down. I, like I said, I don't think they've seen a defense like this. I know they saw it at the beginning of the year with Florida State and Auburn and all that, but this, this, is, this is Bama, and this is a whole new uh, team here lately since they played Texas, so I think they're going to be ready, and they're going to be a lot faster than what they've seen all year. You know, I I heard this, and I think I've got my numbers correct. Florida State has the 31st, and I don't know exactly what numbers. This is just kind of in general. 31st, 31st best defense in the nation, and Alabama has, I think, the 16th or 17th. And, you know, that's... That, those are interesting stats, but the most interesting stat is that Florida State plays in the ACC. Alabama plays right. in the SEC. So, yep. no, they're not going to – they won't see a – nobody that plays Alabama will see a better defense, especially you now. Know, and, and another interesting what did Ole Miss put on LSU? Didn't they do like 700 yards or 680 or something on LSU's defense? Because Ole Miss's offense is legit. And what do they do against us? Yeah. They do. Uh, so, no, they they lost first of all, but I don't think they yeah they, they lost. Two they, you know, our defense, yeah, our defense was all over them. So that that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, you can go back and look at all these games, but it's just we had two weeks to prepare. They had two weeks to prepare. Who's going to be? Who's going to make the right choices? And you know, hopefully we make we come out and do not give them a lead in that first half, and then have to play a comeback like we did against Tennessee. But what a great adjustment we make at halftime in 20 yeah. minutes that we didn't see on game film for two weeks. And so, Robbie and Matt, that was 706 yards Ole Miss put on LSU. Yeah. So, man, I was watching. I watched most of that game. And it's like you need to Yeah, that was great. I mean, that was a track me. Yep. So, it's back and forth. So if hey, we could stop before, them like we did, we could do. Yeah. Before I let you go, I want to ask you uh, if you can tell us, because some of this stuff belongs in the dugout and stays in the dugout. Um were y'all very active when you were playing with Alabama? Was with just literally trying to steal signs from the third base coach? Uh, no, it, it, you, you probably did a little bit. Like we used to, if you're on second base, you could come sometimes tip if you were picking up their the catcher's signal. 
Yeah. Um, but everyone did back then. I mean, yeah, that was part of it. Um, if we, Still if we is. saw that he was, yeah, we would tap our helmet if we got the pitch and bend over if we thought it was an off speed or if a fastball was coming, you know, do a different lead. I mean, there was things like that. And but that was up to the, to them. That's why he had indicators and switched it up. I mean, we, we catchers always switched it up every inning. So if you guessed yeah. it right, then it was probably going to change the next inning. So that was just part of it. Now using phones and all that that they do now and cameras, I mean, that's getting a little, a little crazy. That's just right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, like you still like to have a little bit of the game, you know, that just keep it the way it is. And, uh, but that's why these athletes get paid all this money and winning is everything now. So. Robbie, come see us on Friday at the free. We'll, I will be there Friday. I'm shooting for it. All right, good. Our best is our best to striker. All right, appreciate it, man. Absolutely, thank you, Robbie Glenn. Played at Alabama, and now he just uh, plays very, very hard in life. Uh, takes care of his family. Good guy. All right, Justin. Wrapping things up with you, I'm going to ask some of the most random questions ever been posed for you for the last two minutes of this show. Fire away. What is your favorite movie? You can name two or three. Oh, if you man. Um, I think you have to go. F- Forrest Gump is very good. Uh-huh. Um, maybe like The Princess Bride in there, too. I, I really love movies, so it's hard to pin just too. one. I change my list every week. <laughs> but, uh, all right, if you go to the theater to watch the movie, what is your drink and your snack or candy or whatever of choice? Yeah, popcorn and a Diet Coke. I could go Reese Pieces, but, you know, sometimes in those that little box you get of them, they, it's a little too loud, so I don't want to be disruptive or anything, but just popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they're... Uh... I do understand that, though. And until um, I got older, I was a big Milk Duds guy because they just last so long. But they're absolutely, they'll pull the molars out of your head. Yeah, yeah you, you know? sit there and chew really hard. <laughs> no. All right. Do you like lemonade? Yeah, lemonade, Arnold Palmer's. I yeah. love some lemonade. I'm big time lemonade. I, I drink, I probably drink lemonade almost every day. Uh, so that's a big thing. All right. You played high school football, correct? I we did, yes, minute. sir. All right, you were linebacker? I, middle linebacker, yep. All right, man, what a great position. You're the man. You're, you're the butkus. <laughs> That's right. about how I played, too. I wasn't very fast, so filling that's in. That's why you were tackles. in the middle and not the edge. Yeah. All right, uh, we have 45 seconds here. If That probably doesn't allow en- enough time, but don't be humble. What's the best play you ever made, one that just sticks out in your mind? You know, uh, there's two that always stick out to me. I can remember a, a big tackle for loss. Um, I think it was a, a draw play. They were going right up the A-gap, filled in, just solid, solid hit. And then I can also remember uh, Jerome Ford. He was a running back at Cincinnati <laughs> a, a year or two ago. Um, he's in the league now. I played against him in his high school, and um, it was a it was a wheel route. I got out there at, at the angle. It ended up being just me and him, and I got ran over, Matt. And uh, uh, <laughs> I made the tackle, but, but I'll, you, I'll never forget that hit. That was a that was a hard one. You got caught up in his spokes, but you did flatten his tire eventually. Uh, Ford started Alabama, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, he and then he transferred to Cincinnati. Yep. Got to get out of here. Bye.
Hey, you. Yeah, 